What's up, everybody? Welcome to this week's episode of the Dragzine Podcast. I am your host, Senior Editor. This week on the show, we have Amber Franklin. Amber, what is going on? Hey, Brian. How are you? Doing good, doing good. Getting ready to go out into the shop and try to maintenance one of my project cars to hopefully go do some license passing passes on Friday after uh, my last trip to the track was uh, less than good with the car, but, you know, that's racing, right? There you go. Yeah, definitely. Definitely had those weekends, but that's exciting. Yeah, yeah. You, you, it's funny that when you've been around the sport, you know, long enough that you know what those weekends are like, where it's like literally everything that can go wrong goes wrong, plus the tow vehicle breaks down and you just, you know, you, you got to gotta buck up and go on, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Everyone has those weekends, but my parents have always told me this. That's what makes it sweeter when we do good. So you got to take those in stride. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. I've I helped one of my good friends for years on his car. And I mean, there was, you know, many times where we go out and we just we plumb get our teeth kicked in radial racing. But we kept our head down, kept grinding. And then it made, you know, just round wins sweet. And then when you win yeah. an event and then you win a point series, it just, you know, takes it to the next level. Oh, yeah, definitely. We always say my dad back years ago when we had um, his technically second pro mod car, we would go every race and we would never qualify, but we kept showing up and just to qualify and alone was like a victory for us when we started and then to win around. And now we look back and it's like we get mad when we don't go low of the round and we're like, we need to take this into perspective and take a step back. But it's definitely fun. Yeah, it's that's one of the things I think I've I've learned from drag racing is really it it does it teaches you how to put things in perspective and understand you know we're very lucky what we get to do to have fun or some to make to make a living and you're not you know we all can't be John Force and win like multiple de- literally a decade's worth of championships that's like you know the mm-hmm. outlier on the bell curve just being able to go to the track and enjoy yourself, that should be priority number one. Anything after that's just icing on the cake. Exactly, yeah. it's It definitely makes it better when you do good, but as long as you're having fun, that's all that matters. And if you're not, then there's no point in doing it. You know, Amber, we kind of talked about this briefly in our in our little green room conversation before the interview started, that, you know, you're you're pretty young into your big car career, but you've always been around racing. You started racing juniors. Your sisters raced the juniors. And you see a lot of racers that they have children that just, it seems like they are either elbows deep in the sport or they want nothing to do with it. What made you go at one point, I, I think I want to do this drag racing thing versus, you know, the millions of other hobbies that are out there? Um, I think definitely being around it. I mean, I was five days old when I went to my first race, obviously. My parents kept me in the motor home, but growing up around it, um, it's a family atmosphere, and that's what I love about it. I actually didn't start racing juniors until I was about 10, and I didn't know anything about juniors um, until then. My dad kind of took a break for a couple years after he had a pretty bad wreck um, in a pro-nitrous car. So after that break, we regrouped, got, got a car together, and went out to the racetrack and I saw that and I was like, huh, that'd be kind of cool. You know, we're here every weekend or whatnot. And, um, my parents never forced me. That was the biggest thing. And, um, they kind of let me choose if I wanted to do it. Great. If not, I didn't have to do it. And, um, I think allowing me to choose what I wanted to do and 
meeting friends at the track definitely had a big influence. If you don't have the people around you to do it with, it's definitely not as fun. So that's what anytime we can get like juniors or anything involved with each other and do stuff to make friends and make those um, connections with people, it makes a difference because like you said, some kids go, they don't know anyone. It's not fun to them. They're just sitting there in the heat and their parents are working on their cars all day. But if they had people to go hang out with or do stuff at the track with, it may make a difference to them. Oh, yeah, totally. And it, it's, uh, you know, growing up myself, uh, I think I was on the same track. I might have been about the same age when I went to my first race with my my parents and family. And, you know, it's it's a different lifestyle when you're a, uh, you know, a track rug rat, if you will. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I knew plenty of people that kind of grew away from it. You know, I played sports in high school, didn't get into much, didn't race as much as I should have, but got back into it with college when I got, you know, kind of I got lumped, you know, car people always seem to find car people. It's the strangest thing on earth. It, it's like this yep. this rule of science that no matter where I go, somehow I always find car people. And that's how it worked out in college. Is that something, you know, through racing and whatnot and through your, you know, your outside of the track life that you always seem to kind of gravitate towards people that are into anything that's uh, mechanical when you were in school? Yeah, definitely. Um, going through school, it's definitely... I don't want to say weird, but it's different when you grow up as a racetrack kid because you're not going to every football game every Friday night. You're not going to the parties or whatnot on Saturdays. Like you miss out on a lot of those um, experiences that a lot of the other kids are taking part of, which isn't a bad thing at all because I definitely think that we have um, our own experiences at the racetrack. But I think you do definitely gravitate towards people that share the same interest and it's funny because growing up through school, anytime you mentioned drag racing or telling people you'd be gone, um, it was instantly, oh, you're going to be like Danica Patrick one day or like something gravitated towards that. And it's almost, um, it's funny because people don't realize how much drag racing, how many people are involved in drag racing. And I think anything mechanical, if you can teach someone about it that has the slightest interest in motorsports, they instantly fall in love with it. Once, If you have that little itch, once you get a part of it, it's hard to get away from it. So I always, growing up, was around people that had the same interests. And if it didn't, it definitely didn't work as well because people didn't understand why I was gone every weekend or why I was missing this or that their birthday parties or whatnot because I was racing and I didn't understand why I did that it's funny that you know you have the people automatically like drag racing is the biggest unknown motorsport I think in the country because exactly what you said people automatically think of circle track indie car racing and whatnot not realize that drag racing is the biggest participant-based motorsport it may not have all the eyeballs but there's a hell of a lot more people doing it than most other motorsports and the the stereotypes around always entertaining because again people that don't know anything about motorsports you know even to this day will ask me some very entertaining questions and you know you got to look at it from the the perspective of that they just don't know you can't be too snarky about it but you know I, I had people ask me and when I worked in a you know a professional office setting you know, aren't you afraid you're going to crash or, you know, you got to turn a lot? I'm like, if 
if I've got to make more than a 45 degree angle turn during a pass, something very bad has happened. Like yeah. catastrophic. Exactly. Yep. You know, I, I tell people the best. I like my races like I like my airplane flights. Uneventful. Just, there you go. Exactly. <laughs> they start in the end and I don't have to panic the whole time. That's a good, that's a good run, right? Exactly. Yeah. I think that is the biggest thing is just people are so, people, it's so unknown. And the more that we as racers can get the, get the word out about racing, it will help our sport tremendously. And I always say whenever we're at, we're at a PDA race, yeah, the series can do a lot to promote. But the drivers and the race teams have to do equally as much because the more people that we can influence to get out into our sport, the better off we'll be. No one is looking at a racing series page and thinking, oh, I wonder what that is. But they see a driver that may post an interesting video talking smack to another driver. And it's like, huh, okay, that might be funny to watch. Like, let's see how this pans out at the track. That's all stuff that may catch someone's eye but not necessarily when we're just posting the facts about what our cars ran and no one a normal person that has no clue about drag racing doesn't know anything about what that means funny you mention that because that is going to make me ascend to my soapbox a little bit just a little bit and i think you and i are on the same page on this it blows my mind that more racers, teams, and organizations don't use these massive free advertising platforms known as social media to draw interest. Mm-hmm. Like, you see some organizations that are really good at it, like Streetcar Takeover. You know, I was at their event this past weekend at uh, Edgewater Dragway, and they packed tons of spectators, and there was a lot of cars. And it, you know, that attracts people because they can, you know, take their Corvette, Camaro, whatever, and go make passes. But at the same time, you could do that at a PDA or a bracket rash bash event. And, you know, pro mods are awesome. Let's just, you know, everybody that yeah. has a functioning brain understands that pro mods are awesome. More pro mod teams need to, in racers need to use in-car video you know just do mm-hmm. cool stuff on social media to get those clicks get eyeballs on our sport and get people even if the pdra isn't in town they go to their local track just to watch a test and tune that's how you get people to get invested in the sport become interested and you grow it and i, I think that is honestly one of drag racing in general across the board biggest failures is we everybody doesn't like I'm, I'm going to point the figure at all of us, including myself. That I could do more, but I think as a sport as a whole, we need to do more to get people interested in the sport. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And like you mentioned, I'll always say, I know I'm not perfect at it and I know I can do better at it. But if as drivers, if we look at it, two of the biggest crowd drawings right now, one street Owls no prep King series and two, NHRA, and like you mentioned, streetcar takeover. A lot of what they've done is create characters, and it's not really about the racing. It's more about the drama and the relatability to, oh, well, I have a Camaro at home. Like, huh, let me go see, just like streetcar takeover. If they can correlate something that they have and relate it, or if they find something interesting, let's – be real. The society right now is all about drama and what what they can find that's 
gonna cause issues at some extent and I think that's where like in PDRA's defense I think it's there tries to there's a mix of both where we want to put out some information but it's almost like you try to be politically correct and it's like well I mean we don't want to put our drivers out like that but we should because that's what's going to get people's attention and that's how we're going to get more people to the races is by our drivers making videos and showing what they're working on throughout the week and doing small clips or whatever it takes to get the views of their personality and putting their real truth out there and not just, Oh, I'm a race car driver. Yeah. And you hit the nail on the head characters, you know, someone that's a great character is disco Dean Carnes. I've known Dean Mm -hmm. for a while you know, done some different projects with him. The funny thing about Dean is the way he is on camera is the way he is off camera. He is a character and people are just, they gravitate towards that. You know, yeah. he, he's a polite trash talker and there's other people that aren't. And, you know, it, it, again, it's, you look at these different series and these, there, there's characters out there. You know, you got someone like in the PDRA, like a Jay Cox. Jay mm-hmm. is outstanding. Like he needs to do more videos. And then you got yep. someone like, a Chris Reaney who is just, again, a character like just you like get these guys need to get on character more, you know, the pro boost guys, you know, someone like a Johnny Pacino. There's so many, and again, it's using the PDRA as an example that there are characters out there that they could really accentuate that and get people invested to want to follow it more. And it would grow it significantly. And it's the same thing actually with, you know, even other racing organizations too. There's certain, you know, I guess the advantage with the PDRA, you know, the NMCA and some of these other organizations is that you can actually probably dial that political correctness back a smidge because you don't have the corporate money like the NHRA has. So in my opinion, you guys could be out there having a whole lot of fun. Exactly. Yeah. And that's definitely correct. Like, and like we always joke at home with my dad running pro nitrous, Jay calls my dad nonstop. Like every week they have at least talked to each other almost every day or somewhere around at least a couple times a week. And if those phone calls were videoed or even slightly talked about, that's the kind of stuff that would go viral because it's either trying to talk smack or trying to figure out this, or even just as classmates, just talking about the class and no different than Jason Harris and Chris Rini, all of those guys, like, yes, they're big competitors on the track, But at the same time, the conversations that go on either during the week or at off the track in the pits, if that stuff would be broadcasted or put out more, it would definitely draw fans attention because it definitely gets interesting. The best smack talker I know is Jason Lee. That man can get anybody flustered and he's hilarious. But the problem is sometimes like if you put that guy on TV Every other word would be a bleep. That's the, that yeah. is the problem. But he he can talk it up and back it up. And again, I, I wish he would make more videos along with him and Barnhill. I mean, there's just there's so many characters out there in drag racing. And that's again, you know, you hit on with the street outlaws. What they've been able to do is kind of pull that along. And I think you know, in all forms of drag racing, every organization there are characters that we need to to allow them to unfold their ring, wings and tell their stories. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, I, I definitely agree because I think that would be the biggest turning point in all of the industries 
um, fan fan base, no matter what series, no matter what kind of racing, either no prep or pro mod or NHRA, no matter what it is, all any attention that our sport can get slowly turns people to look at it more. And they'll once they attend one race, then it turns into them going back to another. And on the racetrack side of it, like at Virginia Motorsports Park, there is a different crowd at that track every single weekend. It doesn't matter if we have a bracket race or a grudge race, no prep race, pro mod race. It is completely different each weekend, and it's interesting to see because slowly you see, okay, well, that person comes back for this event, and then now they're coming to a different kind of event, and they slowly just start getting into all kinds of drag racing, and it's not just one kind that they specifically like. You know, bringing up Virginia Motorsports Park, I I, I kind of want to get your your take on something here. You know that y- your parents, you know, you're into racing. How did how was it announced that you guys were you know that you you bought a racetrack? You know, did, did, was was there a family discussion or was it you know just you know dinner one night like, oh, we're gonna buy a racetrack? Like, what what was that like? Um, it definitely it was definitely. Fun, I want to start off by saying because my parents had mentioned like the word got around the community um, that it was going to be for sale or that the owners were trying to sell it and um, we kind of joked at first and my dad was like oh, let's buy a racetrack and we were like I mean we kind of brushed it off because we're like you know no way we'll buy a racetrack like we love racing and everything but who would ever think that you're going to own a racetrack so then it kept getting talked about and the owners the owners really were great because they wanted it to stay a racetrack and it's so easy to sell those things to corporate america nowadays and just get what you want out of it and it not be a racetrack anymore we see it very often right now but he they were great and um dad kept talking about it and he definitely had our input because it is a big it's a big change in life. It has been none of it negative, but from our weekends turning into racing, I, before we owned the racetrack, I only raced PDRA. We would occasionally go to local bracket races, but we really just focused on racing when my dad raced. And that was eight to 10 times a year. Now we spend every single weekend at the racetrack that we're not racing with PDRA so it definitely is a big difference but I was excited I love racing I love any kind of racing I love spending every minute I can at the track so when they told us that they were my mom and dad were gonna buy the racetrack I was definitely stoked my sister was excited and um it's been fun it's definitely different you see a lot of um unique things owning a racetrack for sure but i love it and i wouldn't trade it so yeah it, it's funny you know you guys are a lot like you know the the bader family that you know it's a, it's a family-run deal and to me the, a track that has a family that is there working at the track that owns the track that's an invested in the track it makes it a a warmer place you know, mm-hmm. it's funny if people didn't know who Bill Bader was or what he looked like, they wouldn't realize that the man throwing, you know, water down in the water box owns the track and that exactly. his son is, you know, on the starting line, helping the starting line crew. You know, th- that to me 
really shows how invested that they are in the track. You know, I've heard you guys have, you know, helped work parking and whatnot at the big events. Is that something that, you know, that you look forward to being able to, you know, really be a part of the guest experience? Yeah, I will. I, I definitely think that, um, our goal has always been to make it a home for everyone. I mean, it's our home away from home. So we spend a lot of time there and we want it to be a place that people make memories with their children. And one of my parents' favorite things to see is parents bringing their kids in and enjoying a weekend at our facility, because that's memories that one, those kids are going to remember and two, the parents are going to remember. And like you mentioned, working at the track, um, I think enjoying the industry definitely makes a difference, but between the drag strip and the dirt park, we enjoy working those events because it's something that we love to do. It's kind of like the saying, do what you love and it's never work. That's how the racetrack is for us. And like the big events, I will say sometimes parking is hard, not parking itself, but I mean, you spend all day out there in a hundred degree weather. Most of the time, that's the time of the year our events are held and it's long days, but at the same time, we would never expect other people to do a job that we aren't going to do ourselves and someone has to get it done. So if me and my sister and Blake can help do my, help my parents in any way that we can, we will. And my parents are a hundred percent of the time beside our sides doing it with us. So it's never like my parents expect us to do it and they're out and up in the suite chilling in the AC. So anything that they expect any of our employees or ourselves to do they're along our side doing it you know and it's funny you 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 talk about doing the things that everybody do it's sort of like you know when when i had tyler crossno on the show years ago and i said you know tyler i've seen you do everything at an event or a drag strip except hand out time slips and he goes oh i've done that you've just never seen it and yep I'm sure that he fits in with your, your, your group as well, having that mentality and having people that are that, you know, into racing. Yeah, definitely. Tyler, Tyler definitely fits in well because of his work ethic. And my parents have always taught us that if you want anything in life, you have to work hard for it. Nothing comes for free. So those successful events and all that have happened is because of all of the hard work. It doesn't take just a couple of people and, you have to have the drive to want it to be successful. And Tyler definitely puts forth that effort as well as all of our teams between BMP and PDRA. We always joke with Tyler because we're like, you need to take a break. Just take a break because my dad was the exact same way. He's pushed himself just as much as my mom. They have, they've stayed till there was nights one, two o'clock in the morning at our office in our electrical shop that, me and my sister were sleeping in the chairs because they were working hard to make sure that things were done. And really they could have waited, but they didn't want to push it off to the next day. And Tyler has that same mentality. If he wants to get something done, he's going to do it. And he's not going to take a break when you tell him because he wants it to be as successful as it can be. All right. So we'll have a little fun with this too, as well, because you see you work at a track, you see things, you know, I've, Working on the media side of things, I've been at tracks for all hours of the day. And again, I've seen some stuff, you know, confessions of a uh, a track worker, if you will. What's mm-hmm. what? What is something that sticks out in your mind that's happened at the track? Are you working that, that you can tell protecting identities and whatnot where you just like. It's one of those moments where you're just like, 
did, did that really just happen? My example would be working media at event, and I saw a person riding a literal horse through the pits. Like, through the pits, they're on their horse just walking around. I'm like, all right, well, that's that that's a new one that that's something i have not yeah that's interesting seen before like i've seen a lot of forms of transportation through the pits that's a new one you know what is something that's kind of you know working an event where you've just kind of stopped and you know kind of had to catch your breath so am i really seeing this happen oh i don't know that's a hard one because there's been quite a few incidents that i'm like okay um huh let me think I would say there's definitely been some times where as the night goes on and some alcohol has been involved that some instances, maybe whether it's in the parking lot, um, we've also had one instance that we had a smart car end up in the lake at the racetrack. (laughs) That was pretty interesting. And it really honestly was not as like, I mean, most people are like, I mean, how does that happen? But it was honestly a pure story. And it was funny at the end of it. But I felt so bad for the person during it because you could feel they just felt bad. Um, oh, there's there's quite a lot. Definitely the dirt park at VMP gets a lot of good stories. Oh, um, I think those are probably the craziest. But we've got like sisters fighting in the parking lot because one's drunk the other's taking their keys and there's just there's tons of stuff you see i don't think there's like one specific that stands out i was gonna say if you're working the parking lot that's where again as i'm leaving events sometimes i'll see things transpire in parking lots where i'm like oh this this is not gonna end well I would like to see how it's going to end, but I don't want to be a witness in a court case. So I'm just going to make a beeline for my car and do my own deal. Whereas I'm running away from the fire. You and your family have to run to the fire to deal with whatever's going on. Yes. We've had cases where like we've had a race and a girl is with a, her, for one instance, specifically, there was a lady there. She was with her, boyfriend or husband not really sure his best friend well the husband shows up and they start getting into a fight and the cops are like you know just come on leave well the guy shows back up after they let him leave and ended up having a warrant out for his arrest previously i'm like you already got away from the cops once what makes you think that coming back is a great idea but there's always some craziness going on oh yeah and like he's now, the smart car in the lake, was that during a bracket race? It was, yes. <laughs> I think everyone pretty much saw that one. And it really was. Like, there was no, like, it really was as simple as the person got out the car. They had a dog. I guess the car either didn't get put in park or didn't go into park. And it somehow rolled over a hill not down it, it rolled over in a hill and down into the lake. So it was kind of one of those one-off stories that it was a good laugh at the end of the day, but I felt so bad for them at, at the moment. <laughs> yeah. <that's, laughs> again, when, when, you're, when you're working at one of those events, you laugh for a second, then you realize, 
oh crap, I got to figure out how to solve this. Then it doesn't become funny anymore. Yeah. Well, when it first happened, I was under the tower and Tyler comes running out and he's like, there's a smart car in the lake. And I'm like, what? He's like, do you want to go? And I'm like, well, yeah. yeah. And so I just left. And at first I was panicking because I was like, is someone in it? Like, I was scared we were going to go down there and like someone would be trapped in it. I'm like, I don't know how we're going to get this person out. Luckily, once we got down there, no one was in it and I felt so much better. But it was definitely not just like in barely in the lake. It was sunk in the middle of the lake. So it was it was interesting. But now shifting gears a little bit, you've, you know, kind of been on that track where you went from, you know, a junior dragster to basically, you know, kind of like a bracket dragster, top dragster. Now you're an outlaw 632. Mm-hmm. What has that been like transitioning from these different vehicles? Because, you know, that's got to be, it's got to be interesting to when you first, you know, go from a junior to a big car to to get a feel for that. What was that like? Um, it was definitely different. I will say um, my parents helped me out a lot, just allowing me to have my own time at the track. We went when no one was there or barely anyone at least and just letting me get comfortable because I wasn't rushed. I wasn't thrown into testing during a, during an event to make licensing passes and, Oh, you have to make a race next week. It was never like that. And they let me slowly get into the dragster and my dad, it was funny because he told me he was going to slow it down and we did a little bit in the dragster. Um, and then my mom, she gets so nervous. So we just did like 60 foot passes for quite a while. And then like 330. And then finally we were like, okay, I think I'm good. And he's like, well, if it feels good, you can take it, you know? And I'm like, okay. Well, he didn't tell my mom because I knew if she found out that we were making a full pass, she would flip out on me and tell me I wasn't ready. But after I got that one out of the way, um, it was definitely better from there. And they've slowly worked me up and never rushed me into anything and making the transition between the junior to the dragster was wasn't as hard as I thought it'd be um but making the dragster to the door car was just different just as simple things that like I was used to being in the middle of the track but now I'm on the left side of the groove like just getting used to handling the car and stuff like that i would probably be lying if I said I wasn't nervous getting into the door car for the simple fact of that is like my dad's baby. (laughs) That car has won him championships before. So only the fact that I didn't want to mess anything up, but they spent a lot of time with me getting comfortable and letting me fire the car up when my dad was driving it and stuff like that, that I watched my dad race that car for years and looking at YouTube videos of in-car videos of what he did and stuff like that definitely helped make that transition easier. I was going to say, it was probably interesting just going from, you know, a bracket style dragster just to the top dragster, just because of, I mean, it's interesting when you go and you move up to something that's going that much quicker and faster. Like you, you don't, I guess you don't realize what's happening until you do it the first time and it makes that full rip. You're like, wow, this is definitely a little bit more of a, a little bit more stimulating than what I anticipated. Yeah, definitely. I think 
the the first time I used nitrous, I was so anxious. I was like, I want to use nitrous. I want to use nitrous. I want to use nitrous. I just kept pushing it, pushing it, pushing it. I think my dad was so nervous. He was pacing on the starting line and everything. But when I left the starting line, I was like, oh, wow, okay. Like, this is actually – it's making a difference that you can feel. And it, it was on the same car and everything. But it's crazy how much the slightest things really make a difference on what the car – will do or how it reacts and how it drives and that's one thing I will say with my running the Pro 632 car is they've set me up great in that car they started with making everything comfortable everything to where I can reach it and I've that that's been the biggest thing I will say because without that I get I just have to be comfortable in the car and my parents and my crew and all of the companies that we've worked with have made it to where the car is just great. Like it's been a great car since we've got it, but it's been so nice as a driver to get comfortable with what I'm doing in a car that is really just a good car in general. So if it was a not, not making clean passes or doing weird stuff here and there, it definitely would have been a lot harder for me to get used to something like that not driving it anything like it before then you know and i think that people need to pay attention to what you said there about being comfortable in the car that makes such a massive difference you know when we were putting together my my bracket car i wanted to make sure that as we were you know getting ready to do final mounting of things i wanted to make sure that when i was fully belted in if i was completely pressed up against that back seat that i could still touch everything I needed to touch can I you know turn on my data logger from inside the car you know how comfortable am I inside this vehicle can I see how I want to see that in amongst itself makes you a better driver because you just you feel like the car is part of you and if things do go wrong you're not gonna you know if you get into we'll say a panic or you know a difficult situation you're going to be able to make better decisions I think yeah, I definitely agree. And I've always said that since day one, when I started juniors, like I've always been the kind of driver that I have to be comfortable before I drive it. And I was like that in my dragster and especially in the 632 car, the 632 car was originally my dad's pro nitrous car. So it was built for him, obviously. And I am almost a foot shorter and it's, it was a big adjustment to get it fitted for me, just the steering wheel um, extension, pedal extensions, a pour and seat, moving the switch panel back, the nitrous valves, all of that stuff was a big adjustment, but they all did it perfectly for me. And it really has made the car feel like it fits me now. And it's for it. It's my car just sitting in his car to warm it up and start it. I always was intimidated by it because I felt like I was like floating in it almost because the seat barely came around me and I was just sitting in the bottom of it. Couldn't see out of the windshield. But now that I fit in it, I feel like I have more control of it, which definitely makes a difference in the confidence level when you're out on the racetrack. Oh yeah. And I mean, obviously that shows because you know, you're having a pretty good year so far in 632. At last I checked, it looks like you're leading the points. You've, uh, racked up a couple wins chopping down the tree that's a uh, that's got to feel uh that's got to feel pretty good your first uh first year you know full year out right oh yeah it's it's been amazing I couldn't have asked 
for a better year so far. I mean, when we came out originally, we just wanted to make clean passes with the car and get in a ballpark of close to what the field was running. And we came out and went to a final, um, my first race in it. The next race, we went to another final, and that was the end of last year. And then this year, I'm like, okay, well, I feel confident in our team. I mean, we went to two finals, but I knew that I, as a driver, still had a lot of work to do to make sure I was consistent with what I was doing. And um, we've done that so far, and I can't thank a bunch of people enough that have got us to that point. I mean, we're leading points, and that alone speaks volumes. And being a rookie team for this year, and we came out just wanting to win a race, let alone lead the championship points. So I'm definitely excited. We've only got two races left, so the nerves are getting in right now, and it all gets a little crazy towards the end of the season, but it's also what makes it worth it because these last two races are, I always say, the most fun because the reactions on the starting line when you win a championship or the reactions when you're on the line to win it, it's it's just a, it's it builds up a lot of adrenaline. See, that's what I was gonna ask you next. You know, being you know a rookie in the class, you know, are you the kind of person like that, that that nerves get to you, or do you just look at it like it's just you know cold as ice, just another round, just another race that you don't let that creep into your mind, or do you, is that something that kind of helps pump you up that you need to have those those nerves to kind of drive you? Um, I definitely say it can go both ways. Uh, last race at Maple Grove this past weekend. I ran Walter Lanigan, who's second in points in the semifinals, and it definitely got us pumped up a lot. I had been in the slump coming into the weekend as a team. We weren't as confident as we normally are. Um, we had been struggling a little bit, and I had been struggling with the tree, so I was like, I just wasn't as confident as we normally are, and um, I think that round definitely got me pumped up, and I knew we had to do what we had to do to make sure that we still gained that lead on the points and um I think it helped because I as a driver most of the time I don't let that stuff bother me I kind of it is what it is and um I definitely don't like losing very well um but at the same time like I people can say what they want before the round like crews or drivers like the smack talk and stuff like that doesn't get in my head it doesn't bother me I kind of just do my own thing and it is what it is but I think the adrenaline as far as what we're working towards pushes me to do better myself so wanting to get that win and wanting to get that championship drives me to be as on my game as possible for my team because there's been quite a few times this season and last season that I've lost on the whole shot and it's pushed me as a driver to work harder, but at the same time, like reminding myself as a rookie, I think it's helped because I've been able to remember, like, I'm still learning. I'm still only a year into this, not even. So it's okay to make those mistakes, but to learn from them and to see how we can do better next time. Yeah. And it's a big adjustment and, you know, I think it's really underrated and understated how big of an adjustment it is to go from running a quick dragster to a quick door car because they are just two totally different disciplines, especially going from something where you got to kind of drive the stripe and run a number versus running heads up. It, it changes everything quite a bit. Yeah, it definitely does. And me and my dad will joke all the time. I'm like, 
I just hate looking at the scoreboard when I get beat on a whole shot. And it's in bracket racing, it's not like that. You may be worse on the tree, but the finish line makes up for it. You guys aren't running the same thing. So the dial ins kind of hide that where in heads up racing, it shows it shows what you're doing on the starting line. It shows what you're doing at the finish line. If you're running faster or if you just got beat on the starting line and it shows a lot as a driver because it comes down to okay well you don't have a way to make it up on the other end as long as you're faster that's great but with the competition that we're in we're all so close that you can't afford to give up um those numbers on the tree and that that was proved this weekend I was struggling and I knew semifinals came down to it me and Walter had basically ran pretty close with each other all weekend and I knew I was I have got to be on my game and I've got to get out of this slump. And, you know, kind of going off of that too, you know, we talked about this earlier, the drag racing being one of the biggest participant sports out there. And on top of that as well, I think drag racing is the most inclusive sport before being inclusive was cool. You know, I remember growing up and seeing people from all walks of life racing, you know, women drivers, man drivers, like, to me, growing up and seeing that, it, like, I thought all forms of racing were like that. It took me a while when I grew up to finally realize that wasn't the case. And I think that's what, to me, what I honestly like about the sport so much is you have top-tier talent. Doesn't matter. When you put the helmet on, the car doesn't know what gender you are or anything about you. It's your talent that dictates the outcome. And I think that's another one of the things that really makes drag racing unique. Yeah. I, just like you just said, I love that saying a race car knows no different. It doesn't know if you're male or female. Erica Ender said that in a video that NHRA posted a couple years back. It may have been last year. Um, and that stuck with me because a lot of people will come up and they make it about, well, what is it like being a girl driver? And I'm like, honestly, driving is no different um it doesn't know any difference and it's about your being as a driver not your being as a girl or a boy or 19 years old to 50 years old like that that doesn't matter in these cars and I think experience makes a big difference in your responsibility as a driver realizing how how much respect you have to have for these cars in order to be a good driver. You have to respect these cars in order to make sure that you're not doing crazy stuff inside or not respecting it to know that the potential of them. You know, it's funny you mentioned, mentioned age, you get someone out there like, you know, the drag racing world. Like I, I always think of Al Corda, you know, he looks like the kind of grandpa that's going to give you, you know, the, the good candy bar to Halloween, but at the same time, you go to the track, he's going to go out there and rip that Christmas tree out of the ground and beat you with it and smile yeah. while he does it. And I've seen that man talk some trash that is just unbelievably hilarious the way he lays it down. And then you look at someone like, you know, you mentioned Erica Enders that I'm pretty sure her blood type is ice water because she goes out there and just she's cold blooded. It's amazing to watch, you know, Leah Pruitt. The, you know, the, the gaggle of female pro stock motorcycle racers that go out there and do work. Again, it's it, the, the vehicles don't know any better. And it just, again, it really is what makes the sport so much fun to watch because everybody has the chance to be great. Yep. 
Exactly. And I think that that's, that's the biggest thing is being competitive and coming in and like this season with pro nitrous, it has been so fun to watch because we've had different drivers come in and win. And as much as I want my dad to win every single race and every championship, I love watching him win, but it's also been great for the class and the sport to see different people like Dane Wood, who they talk about, he hasn't been number one qualifier every race or been the fastest car down the track every race, but he's been consistent and his driving skills had got him to that win. And that's all it takes is if you're, if you can make that car work and be consistent and be a good driver, then you have the ability to win. You don't have to be the fastest car every time. Is someone that's crewed on cars, nothing. I'm going to, I'll use the word worried even though I, you know, you don't worry, you don't think about it that way, but the, the cars that you were always kind of keyed up on were the consistent cars, not mm-hmm. the guys that were always going out there setting records and whatnot because they, it'd be a swing and a miss home run kind of deal. It's those people that made their, their bread and butter going A to B and heads up racing. Those are the ones that are statistically going to give you a headache even when you're faster because you can't give them an inch because they're going to take a mile on you. No, exactly. And like you said, it you you get into eliminations and it's like, okay, well, you don't want to make a – you can't make a swing because you're pretty confident that they're going to get down no matter what. So then it makes you in return say, okay, well, I need to get down. I can't afford to shake the tires or you know what I mean. Swing for the fences to make that fastest pass of the weekend that doesn't matter at that point that car in the other lane is consistent and you know they're going to get down so it gets it gets intimidating at times because you know that that team is consistent now do, do you pay I, I was kind of asked racers this do you pay attention to all forms of drag racing or just kind of what you got going on in your own lane because you'll talk to some racers and they don't have a clue what's going on at the nhra you talk to other racers and they know who the fastest bracket racers are in the tri-state area in their region you know do, do you follow or pay attention to a lot of the different realms of the sport um i would say a lot a lot of them not all of it um mainly just because we're so crazy busy that I don't have a lot of time to keep up with all of it. But a lot of this stuff that comes to VMP, we keep up with um, most of the NHRA stuff, obviously the no prep King stuff. Um, some of the other types of racing bracket racing, we keep up with a lot. Um, it just kind of depends on the weekends. Yeah. I was going to say that, you know, you look at the VMP schedule and you guys definitely have a nice buffet of action that comes through there. You know, everything from radial tire stuff, like you said, all the way up to the NHRA big show stuff. Now, if you were ever given the opportunity to go quarter mile pro mod racing, would you, uh, would you jump at the chance or are you one of the ones that'd be like, yeah, I, I like the eighth mile. Um, that's an interesting question. I, I don't know. Honestly, I, I love where we're at racing. Um, definitely, I think my goal would be to run Pro Nitrous one day. That's my ultimate goal with my dad and PDRA. Um, I think quarter mile pro mod racing is cool. I think it's great. It's good competition. There's a lot of great drivers over there. Um, I wouldn't say that it's the top thing in my list to do. Um, but if I had the opportunity, I would never say that I'm going to say no to any opportunity because I think it depends on where you're at in your career on what opportunities you take. Yeah. It, 
it's an interesting take on that as well because every, it's to me the difference between eighth mile and quarter mile pro mod racing is huge because I know the difference what it takes you know just to convert a car to go from eighth to quarter mile but the driving side of it it's a it takes a different kind of skill set almost especially in a pro mod because the pro stocks are very finesse driven vehicles pro mods you are like beating that car with a club to try to get it to do what you want to do it's like an angry horse like a really fast angry horse and it's it's not for everyone there are a lot of eighth mile drivers that say you know what i'm good i do not want to do that and there's other people like oh i want to make the full ride and it's interesting when someone makes the full ride for the first time like all right that was a lot different than what i thought it was going to be yeah i I definitely think it's interesting to watch and you can see just watching videos how different it is and I mean we're basically okay we're we're done with the run eighth mile but they've still got quite a bit going out the back and that's obviously a lot higher speeds and stuff and I would never say that I wouldn't take that opportunity because I definitely think it would be interesting to do um but my ultimate goal would be to run eighth mile pro nitrous racing. And that's, uh, I think, again, what makes, you know, kind of the more, the, the series like, you know, the PDRA, NMCA, the Midwest Drag Racing Series, it reinforces why if you're going to build a fast door car, build a pro mod. Because there is literally, you can swing a cat by its tail and hit someplace to go race a pro mod on any given weekend. Exactly. And there, and I think it it's an advantage to some point, but I think it's also a disadvantage in other points. It's an advantage because, like you said, you build a pro mod and you can go race pretty much wherever, whenever you want. Um, whether it's on these more local levels with the smaller pro mod series or the more bigger levels like PDRA where we're traveling mainly along the East Coast or you've got NMCA and then Midwest and stuff like that. Um, but I also think there could be some disadvantages with there being so many pro mod races only because you're not going to get these people to come out every single weekend. They're only going to pick a couple races here and there to, to go to and they're not going to choose to race four weekends in a row and then ruin all of their stuff and especially nowadays getting parts that you can't get so i think it it's there's two points to it. it's great because like you said you can pick anywhere you want to go and race but at the same time it's almost it splits the it splits the class as pro mod in general that people aren't going to go to race back to back to back all year long oh yeah and i i totally agree that it We'll use the word dilute. It's it's diluted the car counts in a certain degree because, you know, people say, oh, well, back in my day, there'd be 45 cars at a pro mod race. Well, that's right, Jim, because there was only like one pro mod race a month. So, of course, exactly. everybody's going to go to it. But now there's multiple options. So there's more cars out there, but there's not as many at certain events and whatnot. That kind of, like you said, it's a very sharp double-edged sword. But mm -hmm. to me... Just getting people out to the track is awesome. It'd be great to see bigger car counts. But on the f once again, on the flip side of that, that's what makes events like the Snowbird Outlaw Nationals and some of these other like non-series events that bring all of these racers to one place. And I kind of, kind of, you know, 
mention the snowbirds in particular, just for the simple fact that it's kind of at the end of, end of the year slash beginning of the year. So no one really has anything going on. So that's when you'll get to see like, it's like a really cool all-star race for all of these different organizations where you'll see the NHRA guys, you'll see people from Midwest PDRA, NMCA, Neo Promo, like all coming to one place. That's where we, I, I wish we would get to see that maybe during the season to see like yeah. a big all-star race. That would be cool. I definitely, I agree. And that's one thing that um, like we went to the snowbirds race last year and it's kind of a hard time of year for us personally, but we definitely love that race in general. Um, and like you said, it, for one, there's not much else going on. And for two, it gives people the opportunity to go down there and test their programs the week of, or the week before, but then you get all those teams together and put on a race that is basically bringing the fastest of the fastest cars and they're going to face off from any series. It's not just one series in particular. And um, I think that's, that's kind of the PDRA pro stars race. For instance, it's not, not the same logistics as snowbirds, but it's kind of been the goal of Tyler and my dad and everyone else with the PDRA is to kind of give that one-off race where you can, throw what you have at it and show the top eight of the series. And it's a little different not having other series racers come in, but just having fun and not the points aspect of it throws a whole different curveball into it because people get the points in their heads so much. And it's not just a fun race to go out and win what you can. And that's the fun part about snowbirds is to see what you can do. And if you lose, then okay. I mean, obviously we want to win, but same time, it's not going to make or break a championship and we get to throw what we have at it. See, that's what I like growing up when I was a kid watching, you know, like the big bud shootout, you know, the K and N pro stock races and, you know, stuff like that, where it was, you know, the racers basically, they, they pull the cuffs off a little bit. You know, there's no points on the line. It's basically, you're just racing for a big check you know, and the NHRA is trying to bring that back, you know, with the pet boys dealing what they're doing, which, you know, kudos to them for doing it. But I think it should be a requirement for every drag racing series to have like that kind of like non-points related shootout kind of deal where it's just, it's about money and pride, you know, run what yeah. you brung and hope you brung enough kind of deal. Exactly. And that's definitely, I think the goal of what pro stars is is to give a platform for people to do that and same thing with shakedown shakedown is that race where all the pro mod drivers it's on the east coast mainly but we've seen people from midwest and stuff come over and run that i believe if i'm not wrong i think keith haney and all them came out last year as well and it's that one-off race where everyone can throw what they have at it and have fun and just $25,000 to win this year just to have fun and basically like you said a pride thing and say hey I was the fastest out of nitrous blowers turbos pro chargers all of those combinations it's not split like a normal PDRA race or whatever and same thing with snowbirds all of those combinations are run together and you see who's the fastest of the fastest yeah and I think that's what, again, it, it kind of circles the back what we first talked about, kind of to make the sport interesting and kind of drive that sort of stuff. And, you know, the, the Pro Stars race, you guys had the concert and stuff during that too, right? 
Yeah, so we had a concert. Um, we did, I will say, that was probably one of the most fun races I've attended in a very long time, just because the atmosphere was so different. It was so fun all day, and we met more people at that race that had said they'd never been to a drag race than ever before. And I'm from, I only live about an hour, hour and a half away from the racetrack. And there were so many people there that were like, yeah, we've never been to the race. And we're like, okay, so bringing the concert and stuff in to get different viewers in the racetrack gates, once they get in and they see the racing, then it may draw their attention. And it was funny at one point because the cars had started up and there was a concert going on, but almost finishing. And you saw the fans run up to the stands to go watch the racing and they left the concert for the race. And I love that. That was probably one of my favorite parts about the day because we got those people to the track, but then we also introduced them into our sport and they may come back to world finals in October to see that same racing again. Yeah. It's, so. it's like the Norwalk, the night under fire that they put on, you know, I was that event. They, they, they pack 40,000 people in there to watch a booked in show. I mean, exactly. that you, you, you know, Bill Bader put it the best that he now views his track as more than just a track. It's a stage for entertainment. Why, you know, that's why they put pulling tractors there, you know, which was yep. that, that was awesome to see. Like, I love pulling tractors. It's the inner hillbilly in me. I love those things. It's badass yep. to watch, to see vehicles with turbos big enough that you could you'd shred a tree through it. And again, it's something that I think that more tracks need to take in organizations and whoever need to take that entertainment approach, make it a dog and pony show, make people want to come for a lack, you know, to put it bluntly, hang out, eat food, drink beer, and forget about everything that's going on outside of the track. Entertain them. Exactly. Whether, whether it's with race, car, race cars, rock and roll music, monster trucks, dirt bikes, whatever, make them you know, take them away to something else that's different than what they're usually dealing with and you'll create great customers and guests. Yeah, that's, I think that's 110% correct because we've talked about it too before. Drag racing isn't your four-hour football game. It's not your couple-hour baseball game. It's not that compacted of a show. When you look at the big picture, we have rounds of qualifying, racing, all of that. So if you can basically give them entertainment throughout the day or like on the PDRA side of it, what we've tried to do with the Friday night qualifying, doing back-to-back -back pro sessions. So where families can get off of work, go get their kids, make it to the racetrack and still see two rounds of pro qualifying happen and make sure that they get enough entertainment. And that's, I think the biggest key is getting it to where they're not tired of sitting in the stands in the hundred degree weather and they're bored. If you have something going on, whether it's during the race or during track prep or all of that stuff, then they're never left bored and don't want to keep staying to watch the exciting part of the day. Oh no, that's 100% the model that, you know, the NHRA uses and it works and it's, it's a great idea. Yep. So Amber, our time here is coming to an end and I like to always kind of ask my guests a fun, you know, what if, would you rather kind of question or, you know, just something fun. So, your question for you is that it's the final round, championships on the line in Pro Nitrous. Who would you enjoy beating more to win the title, your dad or your sister, and why? Oh, 
That's a tough one. I don't know. Okay, so my family is very competitive, like, about anything and everything. Go-kart racing, anything. Um, hmm. I, I see two sides of it. I think I would enjoy beating my dad because of the titles that he's held before and the accomplishments that he's had. I feel like it would mean a lot to be racing against the person that brought me into racing, um, especially him winning championships before and as many races as he's won and whatnot. But on the other side of it, me and my sister are very competitive and the bragging rights that would be held would also be kind of nice. But I would probably say my dad just because of just because, like I said, it would be a bigger, bigger accomplishment at the moment. Because when my sister races, too, I mean, she's a great racer as well. So she will accomplish a lot in her career. But. I think him bringing me into the sport, it would be pretty cool if I could do that. And your mom's going to hear this and go, please, Lord, don't let this day ever come because she don't, she wouldn't know who to stand behind, what to do. I could see your mom just like, just being passed out. Just like, oh yeah, she'd be flipping out. We've already joked about like, I, I do hope to one day race my dad in pro nitrous. That is my ultimate goal. So hopefully she'll stand in the middle, but I already know like her and my dad have such a strong relationship that. She'd probably be standing on his side, which, hey, that's that's their thing and their relationship that they have. It's it's honestly pretty, pretty cool, not even as their kids, but just in general to watch how close they are and the things that they've accomplished together, whether it's their businesses that they've built and the racetrack and the PDRA, the things that they've accomplished together. It's been pretty awesome to watch them do that. Well, hopefully one day that'll come true. And, you know, I like to give my guests their opportunity, kind of channel the inner John Force and thank all their sponsors and whatnot and tell people what they got going on. So the floor is yours, Amber. Thank who you need to thank. Tell people where they can learn more about your racing and everything else. So uh, have at it. Yeah, thanks, Brian. Um, I want to start off by thanking my parents, first of all, uh, my sister, Blake, all of our crew guys. Without them, I wouldn't be able to be where I'm at in my career, which has brought me on to this show. Um, Jeff Pierce Tuning, Pat Meese Racing Engines, Jerry Bickle Race Cars, Eminem Transmissions, Hoosier Racing Tires, Robert Hayes, Motorsports, Racewire Technologies. They've all helped me get to where I've been, um, whether it's giving us product or getting my car where I needed it to be and um, just really supporting me in my career. The PDRA for giving us an awesome place to race with great competition will be in Galat Motorsports Park um, September, the end of September, first weekend of October. I don't remember the exact dates and we'll be in Virginia Motorsports Park for World Finals October 13th through the 16th. Um, but definitely you can check me out on Instagram, afranklin.05 underscore or Facebook. Tommy Franklin Motorsports page is the best way to keep up with our team in general. Um, but I'm definitely excited to see where the season goes and hopefully we can get that championship at the end. And where can people learn more about the PDRA? Yes. But they learn more on Facebook. You got a website where, where can they learn more about the PDRA? Yeah, we can definitely, um, the PDRA, PDRA660.com, PDRA racing on Instagram and Facebook. That's the best way to keep up with the series. There's, Definitely a lot going on all the time. We've got 
bunch of great racers come out and watch what I would say is the best eighth mile drag racing on the planet. Um, so definitely come out and see us and we'll be in Galat and BMP, like I mentioned. Well, Amber, thank you for so much for being on this show and uh, good luck throughout the season. Thanks, Brian. I appreciate it.